Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What it do, what it do, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, October the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Kenyan Drake pendulum swings in the opposite direction. We'll get you the latest on his status, plus Jawan James' injury holding a draft pick hostage for the Dolphins. We'll update the injury report from this week's game, answer your questions on the Twitter mailbag, and finish up with College Football Friday. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. We'll follow you back and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs up on the website. We've got some injuries to talk about. Let's bring on the Mad Dog. All right, Miami! And up first for your hometown Miami Dolphins, a couple of key players on the shelf on practice on Thursday. Daniel Kilgore and Rashad Jones still both not practicing. It sounds like Kilgore's going to miss the game. Jones is just always on this report every single week. And Avery Moss also did not practice the defensive end. Jesse Davis, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Charles Harris, Trent Harris, Xavier Howard, Chris Lamonts, Bobby McCain, and running back were all limited participants. And Josh Rosen was on the injury report with a growing injury, but he practiced in full. For the Buffalo Bills, only three guys were limited. John Brown, Matt Milano, and Corey Thompson. And that's it. So they've got three. The Dolphins got 12 on this list, I believe. So a banged up tanking team heading in to Orchard Park. Let's go ahead and dive in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And up first on the podcast today, we reported via Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, the Dolphins had engaged in contract extension negotiations with Kenyon Drake and his camp. However, early on Thursday morning, Ian Rappaport, Rap Sheet and Friends, we all know who he is, reports that the Dolphins have had trade conversations with teams centered around running back Kenyon Drake, and the team has indicated they would, in fact, trade him if the right offer presented itself. Drake, who has had no extension talks with Miami since training camp, would welcome a new opportunity. And Drake has been, like we mentioned on the podcast yesterday, a good soldier, so to speak, so far through the first six weeks of the season. He said the right things. He hasn't spoken out publicly. I think that's a good sign for his growth and maturity. And he probably had a wake-up call sometime this season, I suppose, where he realized he's going to have to be that kind of guy to extend his career and get the contract that he wants. So he's saying the right things. As far as possible trade compensation, I would look around the Duke Johnson deal, a third at best probably for Kenyon Drake. Probably going to have to settle on a fourth-round pick maybe a high fifth just kind of depends on what the market presents itself as especially with guys like Melvin Gordon out there but I do believe that Drake could be a viable 1b type of an option for a team looking to make a playoff run I think the Colts would make a lot of sense to pair him with Marlon Mack and then Barry Jackson went back on his tweet earlier on Thursday and mentioned for the record the Dolphins say they spoke to Drake's camp about an extension talks went nowhere he's now available for a draft pick per a source who has spoken to the team's front office so I would be very surprised if Kenyon Drake is on this football team come next Tuesday we'll have the updates on all of the information on trade deadline on the Thursday podcast for you guys here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network 
And I wanted to get into this topic here in the first segment because I thought I'd have an answer by now. It's 3.23 out here in the West on Thursday as I record this podcast. And we've got some important information going to come through here just any minute now on Jawan James and his availability for the game tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs. If he doesn't play, it'll be his sixth game missed. And apparently that can cost the team who lost the free agent in their compensatory draft pick formula, something I wasn't aware of until this season. But Nick Corte of OverTheCap.com reports that if a player misses a certain amount of games or doesn't play a certain amount of snaps, it can affect the compensatory formula, which by the way, is kept concealed and secret by the NFL, which blows my mind that they would have something like that. Seems like a perfect opportunity for collusion or for cheating, I guess, for lack of a better term. But it sounds like Miami's in danger here of losing that third round compensatory pick for losing a high-priced right tackle. I just don't agree with the principle of that at all because it's not like the Broncos don't get Jawan James next season or the season after that or the following season. The Dolphins still don't get the high-priced right tackle. So why should they get punished for him having an injury? It makes no sense to me. And that pick could fall from right around the 100 range all the way back to like 140 or 145 in that range. Could be a significant loss for the Dolphins if that pick falls to the fourth round. I'll update you guys on that in the third segment because inactives should be out here soon for the Kansas City and Denver game. And before we jump into the lock of the week here for Sunday's game in Buffalo, I had a question on the mailbag that was sent to me personally, and I liked it, so I want to go ahead and answer it here on the podcast. It comes from Gallant Co. I think that's your name. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. He's at Gallantry on Twitter. Mailbag question, quarterback evaluations rank the following in terms of important from the least to the most important. And there's a few redundant character traits in here. So I went ahead and grouped those things together and we'll start from the bottom. The first one I have is hand size. I just don't really care how big your hands are as long as you have a grip on the football and you can make things happen. And the same thing is true for a player's height. Two was six foot one. Drew Brees is six feet tall. Kyler Murray's five foot ten. Russell Wilson five foot eleven. All those guys are fantastic football players. I have no issue with a short quarterback. And then improvisational skills are up next. It's great to be able to go off script and make plays. They make for all the fun highlights. But as far as the importance, it's not as high as some of these other things like arm talent. And you listed arm strength and touch passing, throwing on the run. That all kind of comes in together as arm talent. I think that's very important, but it's not above toughness, character, and leadership. Three more traits that I kind of put together as one. I want to see how a guy can react when he has adverse circumstances. He has to make a drive late at the end of a game or he makes a bad mistake and how he bounces back. I think that's very, very important in any line of work, in any walk of life, but especially as a quarterback. And the next footwork, because the footwork is the foundation for how you do everything. And a lot of this stuff kind of comes back to footwork, but I do think it is fair to isolate the trait on its own because it's so important and watching how quick a guy can get in and out of his drop. Can he speed it up when he has to? Can he move outside of the pocket and reset his feet in that way? I think it's very, very important the way they get themselves aligned in their lower half and it kind of sets the foundation for the rest of playing quarterback at a high level. And then number three on my list is feel. You put pocket presence, but I I really hate that term because I don't really know what it means, but just general feel for the game, spatial awareness, understanding where the rusher's coming from because of what you've done pre-snap to identify the front and where they want to send that pressure based upon what you learned in film. Number two, you said decision-making and several other character traits that kind of fall into this. Football IQ, as you put it, I'm going to go ahead and use that term. That's number two for me. 
football IQ, just knowing where the defense is, where they want to move, knowing their tendencies, and knowing what your own guys are doing and how to attack leverage, all that good stuff. And then finally, you have to be accurate. None of the other stuff matters at all if you can't put the football where it has to go. That's number one. You can't teach it. Guys don't improve their accuracy most of the time as their career develops. I think it's number one. So to read that list down from the top to the bottom, accuracy number one, football IQ number two, feel is number three, footwork four, toughness, character, and leadership is number five, number six is arm talent, seven, improvisational skills, and then height and hand size. I really probably wouldn't even put those on my list, but I'll go ahead and round it out since you asked. So that's my list. That's how I evaluate quarterbacks. And to be honest, the more I evaluate quarterbacks, the easier it seems to be because I have a bigger bank of knowledge to go back on. And I think that that experience is really invaluable in this industry. But where experience has not been very valuable for me this season is in the lock of the week. And it's time again to lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. And so where I say we aren't having success this season, oh, and five on the locks. I gave myself an L last week because I forgot to put it into the damn show, but I did mention on the podcast yesterday, I would have said that Miami would not cover a six-point spread where that game opened in Vegas at six points for Washington. They did, of course, losing by one point. So oh, and five, and the lock of the week this week is a touchdown of 40 or more yards, a big explosive play that goes the distance. It was between this and Mike Gesicki scoring his first touchdown of the season, and I still might lean towards that way, although I kind of want to tank the rest of these locks, but I'll go with the big play here from Fitzpatrick to Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, or Devontae Parker, or maybe Kenyon Drake springs a long run, but the lock of the week this week, a touchdown of 40 or more yards. And the best way to lock things up in the bedroom is with the folks at Roman, a men's health company. Roman is changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. And continuing the topic of locks, do you ever find yourself wishing that you could make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge or your college football knowledge? Well, at MyBookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. Right now, all players are invited to play in the free $50,000 Survivor Contest, Winner Takes All. Pick one team each week, survive the longest, and you can take home $50,000 in cash money. Make a successful deposit with MyBookie, and you'll receive a free entry into the contest today. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, and the start of hockey and basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. Parlays, teasers, bets on individual fantasy points scored by individual players. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team, the Dolphins, don't just sit on the sideline. Get in the game with MyBookie. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash today. Visit mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. It's Friday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and that means we have a jam-packed mailbag to get to here on the podcast. I might have to do another video live thread on Twitter this week because we have another 70 or so questions in the mailbag, so I can't get to anywhere near all of them. 
And I've noticed I've kind of played favorites on the mailbag, answering the ones that come up top on the thread, and it's usually the same people. So I'm going to try to jump around a little bit here and get to some more people on the question. Let's go ahead and start here with Javi Toledo. He's at Javi Toledo 86 on Twitter. Favorite movie of all time? It's so, so hard to pick. It would have to be something between Fight Club, The Departed. I liked Wolf of Wall Street a whole lot. Something with Leo DiCaprio or Edward Norton probably. But I also love comedy and I watched Tropic Thunder the other night. That's one of the all-time great movies. That parody, how they are in such a double entendre situation the entire time. Ben Stiller's hilarious. Jack Black freaking kills me in that movie. And of course, Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface for the movie, not actually for the Tropic Thunder movie, but the film they're filming inside the movie. It just kills me. It's hilarious. So let's go with Tropic Thunder for right now, recency bias. Next one here from Dave Camfield. He's at Dave Camfield on Twitter. Easy enough. Can you see any of our remaining good players jumping ship before the trade deadline if we get any good offers for them? I think everybody's on the table for the right price. It's all about taking advantage of market opportunities and what comes to you. Now, with Jalen Ramsey going for two first-round picks, I don't think anybody else would match that for Xavier Howard, so I don't see him moving just because I don't think anybody's going to pay the price to go up and get him. I think Kenyon Drake's as good as gone right now. Devontae Parker could be an option, but I think that he wants to stay in Miami. I don't think Devon Godshaw is going anywhere. I don't think Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan's going anywhere. So if they get the right price, they'll listen, but I'm not sure that anybody else will move besides Kenyon Drake. This next one here from Mark Rutherford. He's at Sasquatch213 on Twitter. If you could go back in time and see firsthand any sporting event, what would it be? The Miami Miracle, probably? No, I was actually there for that game, so I don't have to do that. But I would definitely go back to the 1995 American League Divisional Series at the Kingdom in Seattle. Game 5, Yankees, Mariners, King Griffey Jr. on first base, Joey Cora on third. They trail by one in the bottom of the ninth. Edgar comes to the plate, rips a double into the corner. Griffey runs right through the stop sign and scores from first base to win the game, to win the series. It was pure euphoria, and Dave Niehaus's call of that play still to this day gives me goosebumps. R.I.P. Dave. Next one here comes in from Alex Vergara. He's at Nacho the 8. PFF has Burrow as their top prospect in the draft and Tua coming in at 10. What is your view of their analysis? I'll just say very short-sighted. I, I don't understand why you would think that. It's it's beyond crazy to me. Tua is by far the best quarterback in this class and a few good games from Joe Burrow doesn't change that yet. He's going to have to do a lot more to get himself into that range because Tua's done it for three years now and Burrow's done it for seven games. It's just, let's just pump the brakes on Joe Burrow a little bit, please, especially PFF. Like, and the Dolphins aren't going to draft Chase Young over Tua Tungavailoa. It's just not going to happen. So I like PFF, but come on, that's really bad. Next one here from Nigel B. Cox. He's at Nigel B. Cox 1 on Twitter. Nationals, Astros, or Yankees for the title. I think the Astros will win it all again, but I hope it's the Nationals. I always root for the underdogs in baseball. I can't stand watching the Cardinals and the Astros and the Yankees every single year get back into this thing. So give me the Nationals, but I do think the Astros will win it once again. Next one here from Trent C. He's at TC Rager 24. I probably butchered that. I apologize. Do you think Tua in Miami next year will be able to unlock more of what Mike Gesicki can do? Do you see him and Tua having a good connection within the offense? Love the show, man. Well, thank you, Trent. I appreciate that. I actually got some intel on Mike Gesicki yesterday, and apparently he and Josh Rosen don't have the best relationship, and so that's why that connection has not developed and materialized, and that's why you saw Ryan Fitzpatrick go right to Gesicki, and he's pumped about that change. So just know that. But as far as Tua, I think that speed receivers are the best fit for Tua because of the accuracy and precision and timing of his game. 
And at some point in the offseason, I'll probably do a series talking about the best way to build an offense around the potential quarterback prospects. And if it looks like it's going to be the Tua, then I'll just do him. But that's going to be a series I do on LockedOnDolphins.com eventually. And what I'm talking about with that is the best way to surround these quarterbacks to best suit their skills. And I think for Tua, you want speed guys and athletic guys. And I think Mike Kosicki checks that box because if you have the speed guys, you can run them out of man coverage by going deep. And Tua has the good arcing deep ball to hit those big passes down the field and then if they go back to zone coverage then the game's over because he's so sharp in his pre-snap processing that if you play zone you're screwed so I think that absolutely he could and I would target speed guys at the skill positions to pair with Tua the next one here comes in from Raced, and you told me I don't have to say your name, so I appreciate that because I'll never get it. Becoming a more popular beat writer, do you still have favorite players, or is it too hard to turn off the professional business vision? I love this question, and I actually had this conversation with my wife the other day. She asked me if I was going to wear my Ryan Tannehill jersey during the Chargers and Titans game. I was like, no, of course not. I actually don't like wearing jerseys anymore, but I will wear a jersey if it's a player that I grew up watching, like Ricky Williams or you know Zach Tom. Thomas, Jason Taylor, all those guys. So I do kind of feel like I have more of that fanboy mentality attached to me when it comes to older players. Like Channing Crowder, for instance, when I did his radio show, that was a, I was a little bit starstruck right there because I love Channing from, you know, back when I was younger, a younger Dolphins fan. So that was a lot of fun. But I don't think that with current players, I still feel that way. I have guys that I like in terms of their personality, but I try not to let that bias affect my writing or my professionalism. So it has been more professional, but I still love, love, love this team so much. And a Super Bowl win would just mean the world to me. So I have a little bit of bias inherently built in because of that. Next one from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets. What's your craziest or most embarrassing drinking story? And then there's a response to that question from Life Fighter at Branderson7474. And so I think I've covered this before from the wedding, but I'll, I'll do two stories. First, I once crapped my pants on a date. I was out with this girl that I actually met on a Halloween party and she had makeup on and then I got to the date and it wasn't as good as it was with the makeup on. So I already was kind of checked out on the date and we just didn't have any chemistry. It wasn't clicking. So I got up and went to the bathroom and you know how they say never trust a fart? Never trust a fart, man, because I tried to push one out when I was going to the bathroom and it came out and I had to clean myself up. Luckily, the check was already back at the table and we went ahead and went our separate ways. I never spoke to her again, but that could have been very embarrassing. But that wasn't as much about drinking. Now, my wedding, the first day when everybody had arrived, we had a big beach party in Hawaii and all my friends, all my family, my wife and her family were all there. I was pounding White Claws and Coors Lights and vodka Anything I could drink, I was drinking it. And I don't hang very well. I'm not a very good drinker. And we were out there boogie boarding and cliff diving just in the sun getting roasted. And well, roasted, if you know what I mean. So we did that, went to a bar afterwards and they had these Long Island iced teas and these fishbowl things. And they said you could drink one of those or you could get the happy hour price, but you have to buy a meal that comes with it. And so I did that twice and got two meals. And then I went back to the room at seven o'clock at night and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen were going out that night and your boy fell asleep and woke up to a room full of vomit. Don't remember any of it. I was out completely naked and barf everywhere. And apparently at some point in the middle of the night, I had thrown up all over the comforter and called down for a new bedding. And somebody came to the door and gave me a new bedding. And apparently I answered the door butt naked. So I guess that would qualify as a very embarrassing 
drunk story. Let's come back on the other side and get to more of these questions. I'm having a great time doing it. We'll do that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked on Fins. We'll get right back into your Twitter questions here in just one second, but I wanted to talk about something I had a thought on in regards to ownership in the NFL, and it goes back to this article, or I think it was a podcast segment I heard back in February before the coaches had been hired, and it was a question about which is the worst situation to go to right now for a head coach, and somebody ranked the Dolphins last on that list behind Washington or I guess Washington wasn't on the list, but behind Cincinnati. And that really grinded my gears. And now the Bengals with Cordy Glenn, their left tackle, who was a good player, but he's had concussion issues all season long. He was forced to practice even though he didn't want to because he wasn't feeling right. And Jim Turner, yeah, that Jim Turner forced him onto the practice field so he didn't show up to practice on Thursday. And then they fine him $230,000 for conduct, conduct detrimental. What a joke of an organization. I hate the way Mike Brown runs that operation up there. I feel bad for Bengals fans. They do not deserve Tua. And then, of course, Dan Snyder and Kyle Shanahan saying that the best part about working in Washington was working with his father, and the worst part was everything else. So in terms of dysfunctional franchises, the Dolphins aren't even close to that level of futility and ineptitude. It's not even close. So I just want to put that out there to remind you how bad it can get, and the Dolphins are nowhere near that level of ineptitude. Let's do a couple more of these questions before we finish it up with College Football Friday. Next question here comes in from El Cid Ciento 33 at skip underscore 1951. How did Baker go from such potential to feeling like he'll be cut? He's not going to get cut. They love him for this defense, but the fit that we talked about with Kevin Dern on the podcast a few times and that he's undersized and not long enough or strong enough to hold the point, that's a big deal of contention. Now, where he was performing in the preseason as a pass rusher and against the run was really what I thought we were going to get this year. So frankly, I'm not quite sure. I do think that teams have a better plan for him in terms of the way they block him and get guys to climb to the second level and wipe him out. That's up to the Dolphins' defensive line to help keep him clean. But you just wonder if he's a fit in the scheme going forward. So it's been very disappointing so far, Skip. We'll see if it gets better. Okay, there are so many good questions in here. I'll do a video thread on Twitter on Friday or Saturday to get to the rest of these. Let's do two more. This one from Scott F. Kenward, at Scott F. Kenward. I love when you guys do that. Could you take a second and explain what you mean by the term flattening the edge? Absolutely. I'd love to answer that. So when you set the edge as a defender, your first deal is to kind of work upfield and wall off. And when I talk about walling off, basically you put your butt to the sideline and you'll see guys do this in coverage too when they want to prevent crossing routes like a middle linebacker will park himself right in the middle of the field facing the sideline and try to reroute the crossing route. The same thing is true for flattening the edge where you get yourself upfield, you turn the offensive lineman so his butt is facing the opposite sideline. And once you do that, if you can beat that guy to that spot, then you want to work down the line of scrimmage. And you'll see Rashad Jones do this all the time as a run defender, usually unblocked, where they come off that edge, they scrape the edge, and then they flatten parallel to the line of scrimmage. So when you talk about flattening the edge, it's getting upfield and then coming parallel down the line of scrimmage to make a play on the ball carrier. Last one here from Poldy Anslinger. He's at Poldy Anslinger on Twitter. Can you name 15 players from this year's roster that you think should be here as well for next year's 53? Let's go position by position. I don't believe the quarterbacks outside of a possibility of Fitzpatrick as the backup. 
Running back is very difficult. I think Mark Walton and Patrick Laird probably have the best chance. We'll see about Kalen Balazs at receiver. Preston Williams is not going anywhere. I think Jakeem Grant will be here, and I also believe Devontae Parker will be here. I think Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe are both going to be here on the offensive line. I cannot confidently tell you any of these guys will be a fit, although I do know that Jesse Davis with his contract extension and Michael Dieter, a third-round pick, those guys will both be back as well. Christian Wilkins and Devon Godshaw, they're not going anywhere. On the linebacker position, Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan, they're not going anywhere. And neither is Vince Beagle at defensive back, Xavier Howard, and I think Bobby McCain, although I'm not completely confident in that one. And then a specialist, Jason Sanders. And I would say no to Matt Hawk, but they seem to like him. So I assume that he will be back in total. I think that was 15. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, that was 15. Exactly. On the nose. Cool. Good for me. All right, let's go ahead and end the mailbag. Again, I'm going to come back and do a live Twitter video thread to get to some more of those questions. But let's go ahead and finish this thing up with College Football Friday and the Weekend Watch Guide. It's up on Twitter if you guys haven't seen it already. I'm sure you have. But Saturday... To me, this is the best slate of college football games this season. So, of course, I have to go to a freaking wedding at 4 o'clock Pacific time. Tua plays at 6 o'clock. My wife has heard about it all week long, but I got to be a good a good soldier and go with her to that. So, I'll be late on the Alabama game and Jordan Love at night. But I will have updates on the early games, starting with LSU and Mississippi State at 3.30 Eastern. Oregon and Washington is a big one. Excited for that one out here on the West Coast. 3.30 as well on ABC. Georgia and Kentucky, watch Jake Fromm try to bounce back. Very important to see how guys bounce back in games. Scouts tell me that. I agree with them. So watch for the way Jake Fromm bounces back after a bad showing. Alabama versus Tennessee at 9 o'clock on ESPN. And Utah State's playing Nevada at 10-15 on ESPNU. The Sunday games, the Steelers are off this week, but the Jaguars at Bengals is a big one. I think the Jags maybe could lose that one perhaps, but both Bengals starting cornerbacks are out, so maybe not. And of course, the Bengals O-line's garbage and the Jaguars have a great pass rush. Maybe they'll be distracted from the Jalen Ramsey trade. And then Texans are at the Colts that game also at one o'clock. Okay, let's finish this thing up with my six picks from the weekend, 23 and 21 on the season. Hey, we're not making a ton of money, but we are on the positive side. I think after the juice takes you clean, right around even 23 and 21. Six more picks for the weekend here, and we start on a Friday night, Ohio State and Northwestern. Give me under 50 points, a risky proposition, but I think Northwestern will not score, and I think Ohio State will take the gas, or take the foot off the gas pedal, rather, at some point, like a 42-0 win, and we'll be under there and be good. Florida is giving five points to South Carolina. Of course, the Gamecocks off their big win. Florida off a big loss. Look for the Gators to bounce back in that one. Indiana and Maryland. Maryland's getting six points in that one at home. I love me some home underdogs. Give me the Terps. Oregon is at Washington. The Huskies are underdogs by two and a half points. Give me the Husky defense to take away Justin Herbert in that one. And then LSU and Mississippi State. I think LSU off the big win, a bit of a hangover. 17 and a half points. Give me Mississippi State in that one. And then Texas and Kansas, over 62 points in the nightcap. A high-scoring affair in the Big 12. Those are the six picks for the week. That's College Football Friday. We'll be back with you guys on Sunday to recap the Dolphins and Bills, to recap the weekend in college football. 
And as always, have you guys covered here for your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And with that, let's go ahead and get out of here on this podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy college football. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy the baseball playoffs enjoy all the sports october the best time of year we'll talk to you guys again on sunday night for another edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football fins up